Happy November. <laughs> November. We survived Halloween. We didn't get shot in the chest. Nobody, nobody was murdered. Nobody's candy was poisoned. Nobody, everything was fine. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Everything is fine. Everything's fine. Um, went to check on animals and feed animals before snow flies. We're supposed to get snow, not just on the mountain, but everywhere in Wyoming this week. So now is, you know, it doesn't matter how prepared we are for winter. Mm -hmm. You're never prepared for winter. No, pretty much. No, like, I don't know where the hell the summer went. And it's been cold this last week. It, it has been cold. I mean, like, 40s, but, like, lows are, like, way, like, 20s now. Yeah. And um, it's a big deal preparing for it when you have livestock. Mm -hmm. When you have animals. You've got to make sure that you just... Shelter and... Food, food and, and water, water and... Warmers. And that they can get out of everything. And you got to get, you know, make sure that electricity works for the tank heaters so the water doesn't... It's just an ordeal. Everything is picked up because the animals won't be able to see where they're walking and if they step on a screw or a whatever. It's just an ordeal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, last year in November, we got our first snowstorm and we didn't see the ground again for nine months. Right. And the ice was so thick that it just was like running water like six inches like, under the ice. <laughs> yeah, like rivers underneath the ice. So... It's an ordeal. So we're in hump week trying to just get everything everything ready and settled and things as situated as we possibly can. But so we went out to the land and um, <laughs> I still can't lift <clears throat> um, feed. And so we, we mix our feed. We don't just buy like for the goats and the pigs and the cows and horses or whatever. I don't buy different feed for different animals. What I do is I get oats corn, um, sweet mix, and we pour, the bags are 50 pounds each. We pour them all in at the same time and mix them together. Mm -hmm. um, that's what we do because it's, well, it's cheaper yeah. to do it that way than to buy like COB or something. So and you don't have to worry about like <clears throat> something, one of the animals getting into the wrong thing and dying. And, <laughs> yeah, because, you know, like sheep can't eat goats food. I mean, like blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So that's what we do. I mix my own feed for my animals and um I still cannot lift the 50 pound bags quite yet. I tried last week and tore open one of my incisions. So at any rate, so Yeah, let's all call her out on that, please. Thanks. Well, that wasn't even really my fault because I did ask for assistance and nobody would help me. She's not talking about us, she's talking about the people. I'm talking at the store. about at the store. Yeah, which I think I think is bullshit. Yeah. First of all, I for agree. all of you men who don't help women when they ask for help, literally fuck you. Or women who don't help women when, when we need help. Like, whatever. I was told, no, I'm busy by two men. Yeah. And they were not, like, saving a... Kitten from a tree. They weren't... You're right. I mean, they were... Stand, anyway, whatever. I asked for help. They didn't help. They said that they were too busy. Whatever. So I lifted the... the and it was only 40 pounds. But, oh, my God, it tore that incision straight open. Which did not feel delightful. But at any rate, so I was not going to do it with the 50-pound bags. So I enlisted the help of Coral and Samantha. And I would post the video, but it's pretty graphic. And traumatic. It was pretty traumatic. The animals just hate us. 
they do they don't vibe with you it's you yeah samantha just needed to open the gate for us to get into for coral to get into the uh into their pen and they pushed through and they got out and then they ran over by coral and then baby bear attacked them because she thought that they were hurting coral and then the bag fell and then there it was i mean it was a complete and shit show mama goat headbutted me again so i have a big bruise on my thigh and one of their hooves cut coral's ankle it's quite the theatric video and i would post it except it it is pretty traumatic like, yeah the dog's like trying to kill the goat right and and um coral and i are both screaming bloody murder but anyway so so, yeah. So, I mean, I feel like it's almost more chaotic. I mean, we were looking for excitement two weeks ago. So, I mean, it's back. All I need to do is just, you know. I do don't need any more. No. I don't need any more. No. I've gotten my ass kicked enough by animals this year. Yeah. I tried to, I tried to convince Trista that it was time to send Mama Goat and the sheep to butcher and she was she straight told me that if I butcher her sheep she will never speak to me again wow that's a little dramatic and I was like Trista that's why we have animals and she was like I promise you I will never speak to you again and I was like then what are we going to do what are we going to do with her and she's like she will die a peaceful death and we will bury her and I was like oh my god she's very emotional little girl She's very, she's especially when it comes to asshole, but she's a very emotional little girl. Yeah. When it comes to animals, she likes animals more than she likes people. I know we had a calf that died of what? Two, two years ago. Yeah. That girl, makes, calf. she makes TikToks about it. Like once still a month, today, once a month. Yeah. It's the first, she, her, I shouldn't laugh. She's sweet. But her last one was like, it's been 1,000 whatever days without you. As soon as I get to heaven, you're the first thing I'm going to hug. Oh, my my God. I mean, it's sweet. But then it's like. Also, like. This calf I spent probably $4,000 on in vet bills trying to save. Mm -hmm. Like, all we did was prolong this poor calf's misery. Yeah. To save Trista's feelings. They're not saved. And they're not saved. I mean, still. Oh, my God. Anyway, she's sweet. But. Anyway, so we're back at it. And today is a Tracy episode. It is a Tracy episode. I am bringing it today for the first episode in November. Episode number 95. I got Halloween. You get the first one in November. That's right. I'll take it. We are in the month of thanks. No, it's Christmas until Thanksgiving. Stop it. No, it's not. No, it's not. So I am Tracy. I am Samantha. This is The Suspended Sentence. And we can be found at... Instagram, TikTok... Facebook and Patreon, the Suspended Sentence Podcast. Our email address is the Suspended Sentence Podcast at gmail.com. You can buy Tracy's book anywhere the books are sold, IDP, and the 13 Components to Criminal Thinking and Behavior. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, serial killers in general. Ooh, okay. I like where we're going. Serial killers are named. By one of two things. Okay. What are those one of two things? Are we playing trivia right now? A little bit. (laughs) They either get their name from the method that they kill Mm -hmm. or, I mean, the toolbox killer. I mean, come on. Think of some other ones. Um, Boston Strangler. Boston Strangler. And there's, yeah, the way that they kill or the location that they kill. The Green River Killer. The... um, the Zodiac Killer, that's a great one. 
You know, I mean, that's how they get their names. Yeah. So it's not any mystery how this killer gets his name. Between April 8th and May 7th of 1992, six people were shot and killed along a stretch of Interstate I-70. Ooh, okay. Okay. So obviously that's how he gets his name, right? Interstate 70 is a long freeway that, that goes east to west that links several states between Baltimore, Maryland, and Cofort, Utah. Okay, this killer, though, he tended to focus more specifically between Indianapolis and Wichita during the months of April and May of 1992. The deaths occurred between Terre Haute, Indiana, and Wichita, Kansas, and there were striking similarities between the victims. Five were women, and the police believe that the sixth was mistaken for a woman because the killer saw a long ponytail. But all were Burnett's, all were employees at stores just right off the highway. And despite the case being featured on Unsolved Mysteries, America's Most Wanted, Dark Minds, and People Magazine Investigates, this killer is yet to be identified. Ooh, And investigators have not publicly identified even any suspects. That's so freaky. These murders will be known as the I-70 killings, and the man responsible will only be known as the I-70 killer. Open case still today. Okay, let's go. It is April 8th, 1992. Having to restructure, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Having to restructure her entire day after a coworker had called off of her shift, 26-year-old Robin Folder headed into the local Indianapolis Payless shoe store. It was an annoyance, a small stroke of bad luck, that she had faced several times throughout the course of her job. The store had a few part-time employees and only two full-time employees, of which Faldner was one of them. With a limited staff, it looked like she was on her own yet again that night. Mm. Something that she was used to, but tonight would be different. A man walked into the store at approximately 1.30 p.m., so broad daylight in the middle of the afternoon, and shot her. Oh, my gosh. Her body was discovered in a storage room in the back of the store around 3 p.m. Less than $100 had been stolen from the cash register. The Payless shoe store that she worked in had practically nothing to prevent attacks or robberies, and even less (laughs) that investigators could use to catch the perpetrator. In fact, the only thing that they had was a bell at the front door that dinged when it was opened. Uh, there were no security cameras, no alarm systems, nothing. No emergency button that like nothing. a lot of stores have under the desk. Nothing. It's reported that several people who entered the store between the time that, that she was murdered and the time that she found was was like would come in, think that the store was abandoned, and just take shoes and just run out. Oh, cool. Right. They just help themselves. Love to see that. <clears throat> so employees from the neighboring stores started, started to notice this, that people would go in and then they would run out of the store. Yeah, they're and like, so they were like, caught. yo, what's happening there? So they called the owner of the store and the Payless store owner started calling Robin at work. She didn't answer. At around 2 p.m., the owner called the gas station next door. The gas station order, a friend of Robin's, went to the Payless shoe store to check on her. She noticed that the register was open, but no one was around, so she called the police. At 2.20 p.m., the police arrived and found Robin dead at the store's back office. She had been shot twice in the back of the head, 
There were no signs of a struggle. The back door was open, which the cops think that... They left through the back. Right. Mm-hmm. So April 11th, 8, 9, 10, 11, three days later, at the LaBridge D. Elegance Bridal Shop in Wichita. Patricia Smith, 23, and the store's owner, 32-year-old Patricia Majerus, stayed past the normal closing time of 6 p.m. to allow a male customer to pick up a cover bun. Sometime after 6 p.m., the women allowed the man into the store, thinking that he was a customer that they were waiting for. After the women were murdered, the actual customer arrived to pick up his cover bun oh and came face-to-face -face with the killer. <gasps> what? The customer noticed that the killer had a gun, and the killer told the customer to come into the back of the store with him. The customer refused, and the killer said, then get the hell out of here. The customer cooperated with the killer, but if he hadn't, could you imagine? You're staring at me blankly. The customer was what so the frightened. Fuck? Yeah, the customer was so frightened and he was so shook up by this interaction that he actually did not report the incident until more than an hour later. Because of shock? Yep, yep. He later provided details for a composite sketch of the killer, describing the kill killer as a slender white man with reddish hair armed with an Uzi-style gun. An Uzi-style gun? Like an automatic weapon. Oh, Majerus, Majerus and her husband, Mark, had bought that shop uh, just a year earlier. Mm. Smith studied nursing at Wichita State University, and she was planning to work in peds. Mm. April 27th, Michael Mick McCowan, McCown, who was 40 years old, was killed in his ceramic store in Terre Haute, Indiana, around 4 p.m. He was a bass player who previously toured the country. In 1987, he bought Sylvia Ceramics, a shop, a shopping mall ceramics store near Interstate 70 from his mother, which is why the name is a female name. On the morning of April 27th, he actually had a doctor's appointment because he wasn't feeling well, and he actually considered not going into work that day, but needing money and not wanting to let his customers down, he decided that he would go ahead and go in. So he went into work after his doctor's appointment, and he was stocking the shelves making sure that everything was stocked and everything was good for his customers, right? When he too was shot in the back of his head and killed. I hate when you hear stories like that where they're like, oh, I didn't feel good, but I didn't, yeah. didn't want to go in. Like if you ever feel like that. Don't go. Don't go. Because intuition mm -hmm. also Instinct plays is real. a big thing. You see things like that all the time where they're like, Oh, they said that they had a weird feeling or they weren't feeling good, but they just didn't want to let their boss down or, yeah. and then they die. Yeah. So we're taught that actually in the psychology field, like more importantly than anything that we ever learn, 90% of my job is intuition. Yeah. And if you don't follow your intuition, you could get killed. hundred percent. And there's so, so many people sad. that don't tap into that and ignore it or pass it off as something else. But yeah, I agree. But McCohen's wallet and less than $50 were stolen from the store. No witnesses reported seeing the killer. He was the only man killed during this spree, but it's believed by investigators that the killer chose the store because it had a female's name, mm -hmm. Sylvia Ceramics, right? And it was a good target for like the demographic that he was the killer was looking for. But McCohen also had long, dark hair, and he'd often wear his hair in a ponytail, he had his ear pierced, was slender. Mm -hmm. So from the back, which is where he was shot, he was shot from behind. 
and he was kneeling down, so they believed that he was mistaken for a woman. Yeah. May 3rd. And not to, like, make this, like, a sex thing, but it's a ceramic shop. Yeah. Which is kind of a more feminine-type job. Well, yeah, it was his mom's shop. Right. Yeah. For Yeah. So on May 3rd, 24-year-old Nancy Kiltzmiller was killed while working alone at Boot Village a footwear shop in St. Charles, Missouri. She opened the shop at noon and was found dead by customers at 2.30. Jesus. She had been shot in the back of the head. She was supposed to be off that day. Jesus, see? However, she agreed to come in so that a co-worker could have that day off. Some money was taken from the cash register, although no one heard the shot, and a witness did see her with a final customer just minutes before her death, and this sighting helped police create a a composition drawing also which matched the other one but anyway her parents say that she was their oldest child she spent the first 10 years of her life in oklahoma and then she returned she went to missouri for college or i'm sorry then she returned to oklahoma for college she played soccer at fort zumwalt north high school and then for oklahoma state as a child she had a fascination with maps she loved cardiography that's the science of drawing or reading maps. Mm-hmm. She loved horses. She was a graduate from Oklahoma State University with a degree in geography. She loved playing soccer, line dancing, Western gear, and country music. In May of 1992, she was only weeks away from passing a background check for the Defense Mapping Agency, and it's known now as the National Geospatial Agency. She planned to turn her fascination with maps into a career. She was weeks away from that. But to make ends meet, in the meantime, she worked as a manager at Boot Village. She liked boots, cowboy boots, her mother remembers. That's so sad. She was weeks away from having her dream. (sighs) Another lesson here, protest if people want you closing alone. (laughs) Or working a shift by yourself. I don't even know how that, like, it should honestly be illegal. It is. It's so dangerous. It, It absolutely should be. It's so dangerous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Four days later, May 7th, in Raytown, Missouri, 37-year-old Sarah Blessing, an herbalist and a reflexologist with two stepsons, was working in her gift shop, Stone of Many Colors. Sarah had earned a communication degree from Emporium State College and had recently opened the boutique with several of her friends. At 6.15 p.m., a local auctioneer noticed a stranger walking into his auction house. The man was wearing a gray sports coat, slacks, and dress shoes. He heard himself mumbling, he heard him mumbling to himself. He looked briefly around and then walked out. Tim Hinkman, who owned a video store next to the shop where Sarah worked, took notice as he saw the stranger crossing the parking lot and passed by his store. At one point, the man stopped and looked directly at him. Minutes later, around 6.30 p.m., Tim heard a loud pop that sounded like a gunshot. He reached his front door just as the man was exiting Sarah's store and disappeared around the corner. Right away, it registered with Tim that this was the man he had seen in front of his store. A grocery clerk collecting shopping carts also noticed the man. She watched as he climbed the embankment to Woodston Road and Interstate 70 Access Road. Another witness saw him walking down a nearby street at 645. Meanwhile, 
Tim grabbed the portable phone and went next door to the gift shop. He looked through the door and he couldn't see anything. As he went inside, he called out, ma'am, ma'am, but nobody responded. As he continued to walk through the shop, he saw Lara's, Sarah's legs sticking out from the back room. She had been shot in the back of the head and was laying lifeless in a pool of her own blood. He immediately called the police. Jesus. The murders were, cons- um, <clears throat> were linked after St. Charles detective suspect- suspected a connection between all. Well, they're all like execution style. Oh, there's, yeah. All the murders were committed with a 22 rifle, caliber rifle, firearm, sorry, not rifle, it could be a handgun too, caliber firearm, and the victims were usually petite young women with long dark hair. Aside from the Wichita murders, all the victims were alone. All of them were shot in the back of the head. None of the scenes had any signs of sexual assault. And while all the stores were robbed, Robbery doesn't appear to be like a motive to it because he took a very, very little. Yeah, he didn't take all of the cash in the registers, took 50, 100. Right. You know, all the stores were small specialty businesses, which didn't have a lot of money, but they were also small specialty stores. The murders took place, took place at a slow time of day when the stores were deserted, such as like around lunch or around closing time. Several, several of them were in strip malls near I-70. Based on witness testimony, police strongly believe that the murder weapon that may have been used was an intersect scorpion pistol or Irma Rec ET-22 pistol. They have not, however, been able to rule out any other 22 caliber rifles. Gotcha. The I-70 killer is a white male between 5'5 and 6 feet tall, most likely though 5'7 to 5'9". He has a slender to medium build, weighs between 140 to 180 pounds, and was thought to be in his late 20s or 30s in 1994. He has short, tinted, reddish or sandy, possibly strawberry blonde hair, beard stubble, thin lips, a high forehead, and what all witnesses describe, all witnesses who saw him describe as lazy or droopy eyelids. Mm. According to each of the witnesses, he was neatly dressed and clean cut. In the Wichita case, he was seen wearing a brown waist to to thigh length jacket, dark slacks, and black shoes. He appears to be in almost like a trance, as if he was like thinking about something or like somewhere else. He may be comfortable in the Indianapolis area. He may have lived in the area like along Interstate 70. He might also be a collector of antique or unique firearms. Although the killer took small amounts of money from each of the victims, robbery again is not believed to be his motive. The stores he targeted were generally not the type that would have large amount of, ca- of cash on hand. Yeah. And at least one case, the victim's purse was completely untouched. Oh, interesting. None of the victims again were sexually assaulted. Some investigators believe that he committed these murders simply because he enjoyed the killing. They have described him as to be very organized and a cold-blooded psychopath. They have also speculated that he's a thrill killer. FBI agents did create a psychological profile on this dude. They believe that in the months prior to the murders, he fantasized about killing. He savored the sense of being like superior to his victims and being in ultimate control over whether or not they lived or died. He also enjoys being able to elude authorities. 
They also suggest that he may have specific have chosen very specific victim based on a person who had wronged him earlier in life, such as like a girlfriend or a parent or a relative, right. something like that. Since they all look so similar from right. behind. Right. It's definitely targeted. Definitely a type. Police believe that the killer stalked at least some of his victims, watching them as they worked and casing the area. Well, I mean, you have to in order to know when slow times are. Sure. Absolutely. He primarily targeted young, petite, brunette women working alone in small stores located in the strip shipping, strip shopping malls along Interstate 70 or Interstate 35. All of the stores were very, very close to the interstates, with some being just a block off and on, mm-hmm. off, on off and on. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Off the on ramp. Right. <laughs> All of the victims were shot point blank and at least one in the temple or in the back of the head, execution style. All of the victims, except Mick, were shot in the back rooms of the stores. All of the shootings occurred in the afternoon or in the evening. Police believe the killer may be, tra- uh, may be like, a traveling salesman, a hitchhiker, or a tri- truck driver based on his ability to quickly travel from crime scene to tri- crime scene. Yeah. He may have connections to the military as several of the murders have taken place near military bases. Oh, interesting. It's also speculated that the killer was suffering from PTSD after being in the military. I don't know what the hell they would base that on, but whatever. <clears throat> also, well, I'll give you my opinion in, in a second. Um, <laughs> Jeff Mayrose, who worked across the street from Robin, he reported seeing that man shortly after the murder, right? And he was wearing a green jacket and carrying a three-foot-long bag. Hmm. He looked like he had been sleeping in his clothes. Jeff assumed that he was a hitchhiker, and he came the direction of Interstate 465, which intercedes with Interstate 70. The man stopped in front of Jeff's store, then circled the building repetitively, before sitting on a curb nearby for about a half an hour. After the murder. Before the murder. Oh, before the murder. Mm-hmm. While sitting there, the man stared at the Payless shoe and rifled through his bag. He also talked to himself and reportedly was seen like giggling to himself. He was not nervous and did not seem to be in a hurry. Jeff believes that the man was either on drugs or had mental problems. At around 2 p.m., the man left the curb, and a few minutes later, Jeff witnessed him calmly trying to hitchhike a ride north back to Interstate 465. Robin was found dead less than an hour later. Wow. So in 2021, the St. Charles Police, two years ago, Mm -hmm. the St. Charles Police Department published age-progressed composition posts of what this guy would look like now. He, they believe that the killer is between 52 and 70 years old if he's still alive. Police have not publicly identified any suspects at all in this case, and it has been, a, it has been classified as a cold case. However, like this is one of thousands of cases that quickly went cold, right? Although detectives were able to put together facial composition of the suspect and link the homicides through ballistics, the investigation has ran into like hitting wall after wall after wall. Three decades and hundreds of years later, Detective Kelly Rhodes with the St. Charles Police Department in Missouri has been given this case, and her sole task is now to hunt this murderer down and to find him. Oh, wow. Like, that's all she's going to do. That's her only job is this case. So she is, like, spending her days 
rereading the original police reports, re-examining evidence, and pursuing new leads. Police hope that her fresh take on the case, paired with the advancements in technology, will push this investigation to, to find somebody. Well, yeah, because it's from the 90s. Like, the chances that, uh, except DNA wasn't really connected, like, collected back then. Oh, yes, it was. Oh, really? Okay, give me more. I'll, they didn't, I'll shut up until you're done. Right. She says, this is a case that St. Charles City has never given up on. Since 1992, detectives believe that the killer may have struck at least three more times, twice in Texas in 1993, and again in Kansas in 2001. Oh, wow. Rhodes revealed that in November 2021, efforts were increased across all agencies involved in this. So you've got multiple states here. Right. A uniform task force was launched and investigators from Kansas, Indiana, and Missouri all came together to discuss each case, to review the evidence, and to develop a plan to move forward. She says, quote, we really do have to work together to do this with all the other agencies working together and sending everything off to our DNA labs. Everything that we have combined is good. Ooh, okay. This is the future. So we're really hoping that we get good DNA from this evidence. It's not like we're sending off one piece of evidence and hoping that it's on that one piece. We actually have quite a bit. So even though, even though there wasn't DNA back in the 90s. Police procedure, when they when they get evidence, that stuff is sealed until cases are closed. I, that's true. I meant like, you know, like fingerprinting and stuff like that, like wasn't really done. But like collecting like their clothes and stuff like that, that would have been collected. The bullets that were taken out of the bodies were absolutely preserved. Right. How do you put a bullet in a chamber? hand unless you're wearing a glove but then back then because that wasn't done people weren't thinking about that exactly exactly now i tend to have a little bit of a problem with the fbi's profile of this dude for multiple reasons number one he was dressed way too nice to be a random hitchhiker or whatever. And if he was not to be like whatever, but like, right. Also, they threw every possibility into there. Also, I'd like to know why they think that it was military, why it's linked to the military or why he might have PTSD. Like, what are they drawing that conclusion from? Unless every single one of the places is near a military fort or like, well, that along, would make sense. But yeah. along that stretch of highway, like if you live there, if you live by there, I mean, that may or may not have anything to do with military bases, but. Or maybe it has to do with the execution style. Okay, but if you're doing execution style and you're military, whatever, you're not going to be killing women. I don't know about that. I mean, if he's like active military and active whatever, I mean. If he's not, he might not be active military, but I mean, I don't know that the women thing has to do with that, in my opinion. I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know, but their, their profile of him is just like anybody. I feel like, like it's, it's throwing the most, spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah, for that, sure. I mean, white, white male, 5'7 to 5'9, fit, yeah. 
160 to 180 pounds. You just described 2 billion people. Right. Every man in America, pretty much. Right. Like, good guess. You know what I mean? Like, you, they're... Yeah, it's like that. It's like in our first um, Unsolved Case episode when I was reading the description. And we're like, that, I just described my husband. (laughs) Yeah. And you just described just about every man in America. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. And here's the other thing is spree killers. Like, I don't know. I mean, to do it, I mean, that was like six murders in two months. They suspect him for other ones down in Texas, which would signify that he's moving. Right. Right. That he probably got on 35 and headed south. Right. (laughs) And if, and he was so good at it and calm calm about it. I doubt that it was his first time. No. And I wonder I wonder how many serial killers change the way that they kill so that their murders aren't linked. Because crime is evolutionary. Crime progresses. Yeah. And you have to after a while you're going to be like, "Okay, that's boring." Like it's the same shit over and over to and over me, again. Me, it seems like it's the hunt for him. But it's correct, but it's not much of a hunt, is it? It's the watching, the waiting, the seeing when they're slow. Correct, but everybody complied with him. So based on based on what the guy said, the guy that went into the store to get his cummerbund or whatever, Uh and and the killer was like, "Come to the back with me," and he was like, "No," and took off running. He doesn't want to work at it, right? And he was seen. You know, and then the and then the sketches come out and they get made out to the public. Well, now you got to bounce. You got to leave. Right. You got to go somewhere else and do it. And you probably need to change the way that you do it because you're going to get caught. But in the fact that he wasn't even worried about that, like he didn't chase after him. He didn't shoot him in the back. He didn't like nothing. Which is like, okay, so does he have beef with just chicks? Yeah, he's got this very specific type of woman that he's after. Right. He doesn't want to kill anybody else. Right. Or, I mean, if he, if he was worried about getting caught, he would have shot that guy in the back. Yeah. As he was running away. He would have done or chased him down or something. Yeah, it's not like he's, his weapon of choice is a knife that he has to, like, run after. It's a gun. Right. And, and the fact that he said, come into the back room with me and... Most of the women were killed in the back offices of their stores means that he probably went in and said, take me to the back. Now get down on your knees. You know what I mean? Which means that they complied. There was no sign of struggle in any of the stores. There was no, which means that they complied. That would probably get boring if you were a thrill seeking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe it's, maybe it's the mother's fault. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But, I mean, we might not ever know. Because, I mean. That's spooky, though. Super spooky. Okay, so things we learned from today's episode. Don't ever close by yourself or work a shift alone. That's unsafe. Protest against that. Follow your instinct. <laughs> yeah, well, and and I think that. And women, scratch. If somebody's trying to kill you, scratch them. Don't comply. Don't do what... Get DNA under your fingernails. Don't do what a man tells you to do. Men, too. 
If you're being attacked, scratch the shit out of them. So Fight. you have DNA under your fingernails. Chances are you're going to get killed anyway, so give us something to find your killer. Literally. Like, so we have fight. so many unsolved murderers. Fight back a little bit. Bite them. Take a chunk of their cheek in your mouth. <laughs> like, literally, you're yeah. going to get an autopsy. Scratching is the best thing, though. Like, if you can scratch and scratch deep, scratch anywhere, and then get, you're going to get DNA under, under fingernails. Even if you have short, stubby fingernails. I'm a chronic nail biter you can still get some skin under there yeah what what what'd you say i said i'm a chronic nail biter but even with my short stubby fingernails I oh can yeah get nail <laughs> i was like what did you say <laughs> i think i was forward thinking and she i didn't gave me an aggressive look <laughs> i thought you said i thought you said but i don't know what the hell i thought you said okay like, so those are today's safety with tracy and sam well, and for store owners, I mean, especially if you own your own store, you guys just put cameras in there. God, they're so cheap. Mm-hmm. You can get the light bulbs that are for $4 on Timu or Sheen or whatever. You can get those that just link to your phone and then you can link it to a computer. And they're cheap. Get yeah. surveillance cameras. Get, yeah. you know, something. And, you know, I'm always going to say this. I'm always going to say it. Always, always, always. Learn gun safety and conceal carry. Carry pepper spray. Carry... Carry pepper spray. Carry something. A taser. Carry something. Something. They make those really cute fashionable rings that are like knives now. Have you seen those? Mm-mm. They're like not... They have like a little thing and you just flip it and it's a knife. Yeah, I feel like somebody would have to get too close to me for me to... I don't... To use that. I don't want somebody to do They're that. They're real cute though. But I can still carry. There you go. I don't know. It's... Take care of yourself. Protect yourself because you never, ever know. And like we learned in the last episode, um, Serial killer, killer Trivia Part 2, is there is up to 50 serial killers walking around the United States of America right now. You never know. You never know. And it would really, really suck for you to be in a position to either help yourself or help somebody else and not be able to because you're ill-prepared. You guys should be prepared. Right. Oh my god, this scares me so bad. <laughs> I have little girls. Like uh, scratch, scratch, fight. Bring out your inner like. Do not bitch comply fight when you're about to be murdered. And I know that that's like goes against everything that We're that all... you're so. No, that, well, and even really that law enforcement will tell you. They'll say, you know, to comply and wait for a moment of weakness. Fuck that. I'm fighting. Because literally, how many of these cases have we covered in the 95 that we've covered where the women do comply or the men do comply? And they get dead. And they still are dead. Yeah. And they're unsolved or not enough evidence, physical evidence to hold them for longer than 10 years. Like, fight. Scratch the shit out of them. Mm -hmm. At least protect. If you can't save yourself, at least make it so that this person can't be out continuing this. Yeah. Ugh. So gross. I hate people. Uh-huh. I'm gonna move into the mountains and I don't think that you're hermit. that much safer in the mountains. There's animals. Then we'll end up on Amanda's podcast. Right. An animal attack gone wrong. Right. I'm telling you. Nowhere safe. Nowhere is safe. <laughs> Good job today. Thanks. Thank you guys. <laughs> Stay safe. <laughs>